Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Remain standing with me, please. John chapter 21, we're going to dive right into the Word of God. The scripture came to my mind when we had a, a wonderful message in tongues and interpretation, and I'll talk more of that in just a few moments, but the title of my sermon today is, You're Fishing on the Wrong Side of the Boat. And I think there's a lot of people that end up doing that in their life. They end up on the wrong side. One minor adjustment, one act of obedience, you are this close to everything you're praying for. Would you take the word of God and hold the scriptures close to your heart? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would anoint me to pay attention. Help me to hear this word. You know how I am. Don't let me get distracted. Don't let me be focused on anyone but what you're saying to me. Let me not spend one moment worried about whether or not someone else is getting what they need. Lord, right now, help me slide my feet under the master's table. For heaven is calling to me, come and dine, come and dine, come and dine. Help me eat the bread from heaven today, knowing that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. I've made up my mind. If anybody's going to go to church today, going to be me. I'm going to receive what God has for me in the name of Jesus. Would you stretch your hands toward me, Heavenly Father? I pray you'd anoint me today. Let your face shine on me. Let your glory overshadow me. I pray, Lord, that there'd be no difference in what you say and what I say. Help your power be manifest in what it is that we are about to accomplish together as a congregation. Help me, O oh God, preach this word. Clothe me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Help me, Heavenly Father, so there's no difference between what you want us to understand and what we receive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Please remain standing. John chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for it had been removed, and he plunged into the sea. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Weeks ago, we had a message in tongues and an interpretation. Now, I don't know if you're accustomed to that sort of thing. Perhaps that might be offensive to you. We are Pentecostal. 
As Pentecostals, this is what we believe. Now, I want you to hear this. This is good theology, even if you don't like Pentecostalism and someone made you show up here today. You need to know what it is that makes us Pentecostal. Here it is. We believe that if it happened in the Bible, it can still happen. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It does not seem logical to us that God would bless the disciples and the early church with the gifts of the Spirit, only to withdraw those gifts from the church as if we didn't need them anymore. We believe that God gave these gifts to the church and they are still in operation. We still believe that Jesus heals the sick, casts out devils, performs miracles. We still believe he can raise the dead. We believe that what God said in his word can still be manifest in our lives. As a matter of fact, it's even worse than that. Not only do we believe that it can happen, we try and make sure that we are available for it to happen. We want what's in this Bible to happen in our lives. We want God's power to be manifest. And in this congregation, we had a message in tongues and an interpretation exactly the way the Bible said it should be done. Well, I don't believe God does that anymore. Then why did he put it in the Bible? He said, when someone speaks in tongues in church, have one, some, one interpret. Why would he put that in the Bible if the church was going to stop doing it? What a waste of time. He gave us clear instruction on how to handle the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We had a message in tongues and interpretation. The interpretation was this. You're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. I told you to go into the deep waters and you're still splashing around in shallow living. Cast your nets with obedience where I told you to cast them. And the answers to your prayers are but moments on the other side of your obedience. Your provision and the promise will meet you on the battlefield when you obey. Shook me up. So I went home and I started studying what it was that God was saying to the church. And obviously it was a quote from this passage of scripture. Cast your nets on the right side. Now it is interesting to me that the disciples went fishing. Where were they when Jesus called them? They were fishing. And Jesus called them away from that vocation. What did he say to them? He said, no longer will you be fishermen. But rather, I will make you fishers of men. They thought that was a great promise. But I want to tell you that it was a promise and it was also a curse. When God says you're no longer going to catch fish, guess what? He meant it. What you used to be good at without God, after you serve God, he takes away from you so that you can't do it without his power. You become very dependent on the manifest presence of Almighty God. There is a place in His kingdom where you need to understand that God will visit chastisement, punishment on you when you have served Him, walk away from Him, and then try and get away with doing some things that you can 
potentially do without his presence and power. Better to have never known the way than to know the way and depart from it. Better not put your hand to the gospel plow than to take up the cross of Christ and think about it later and say thanks but no thanks. You need to know this. God has a plan for your life. All of you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a specific purpose in your life. And if you are going to play a patty cake religious game with God, perhaps you came to the wrong church to try that. Because if you're going to attend a church where the power of God heals the sick, where the power of God manifests in our prayers and in our covenant agreements, when God comes down in supernatural ways, you're not dealing with the omnipresence of God. You're dealing with the Shekinah glory of God. And when you take the Shekinah glory of God and say to the Lord, I'm excited on Sunday, but on Monday I'm going to do it like I've always done it, mark it down. God may take that away from you. You used to make more money doing what you're doing. Not anymore. Why? Well, pastor, things will change. I'm, I'm putting some things together. Could it be that God has withdrawn his favor from an area that would only be tolerated while you were immature? But now that you've grown, it is sin to you because God has a higher calling than the shallow living that you had in the past. Somebody talk to me. If he tells you to sing, you better sing. If he tells you to preach, you better preach. If you have to be a witness in your neighborhood, you go ahead and get your little Bible and go door to door until God finishes. Don't you dare tell God, no, I'd rather have Jesus. Whatever you think you're going to hang on to by telling God no will be like sand in your fingertips. It will drift through your fingers until you have nothing. You have not the call of God because it's passed you by. And you have not the things of this world because God took them with his presence. Well, pastor, I can't give up this. I can't do this. This is so important. <laughs> That's what he could have said. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you better buckle up. How dare you? Take the blood of Jesus in small increments. And then when God asks something of you, proclaim how busy you are. Proclaim you don't have time. God calls you into something. Where he guides, he provides. He will teach you. And I remember when Pastor Todd came to me, felt God calling him to return to the calling of his childhood and not pursue another vocation assignment similar to his career cho choice and path. He had to start all over. Couldn't even play the guitar at that time. But where God guided, he provided taught him to play the guitar, taught him to write songs, taught him to work in leadership, gave him good mentors and Pastor Bob Tabor. And over time, God developed him into the person that God called him to be when he first felt the inspiration. And I'm not telling you that you need to be on staff at a church. There's not enough room for everybody. 
But what you do, you need to do to the glory of God, and it needs to be God that guides, and it needs to be God that gives you the instruction, and it needs to be a business or a, a vocation that is dedicated to the glory and honor of God. Can I get a witness? So they went fishing. Went back where God called them out of, and they weren't successful. But when morning came, Jesus was standing on the shore. Oh, I'd love to. That sounds like a great opening line to a song. But when morning came, Jesus was standing on the shore. Is there anyone here today that can remember when you were walking in disobedience? I know that doesn't apply to everyone here, but maybe just a few of us have walked away from God. Maybe there's a few of us that decided we were going to try and do something different and pursue something else and do what we wanted to do with our life, and we had shamed ourselves and made mistakes and probably brought some level of punishment into our lives and perhaps we thought God had given up on us but thanks be unto God night didn't last all the rest of our life there was a morning that came weeping may endure for the night but but joy joy comes in the morning maybe maybe at three o'clock in the morning you're tossing and turning and sweat on your fevered brow worried about whether or not your mistakes are going to cost you the rest of your life but oh there comes a morning sunrise in your life and all of a sudden you can see him walking on the shore even when you give up on yourself he didn't give up on you I preached a sermon years ago. He'll chase you to hell and back. The love of God is relentless. He loves you, and he loves you enough to pursue the sheep that is lost. Even if they're not in sin. Well, pastor, I'm not in sin. This isn't sin. That's your problem. Your arrogance believes that the only sins are commandments. But sometimes you need to know this. To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So there was Peter, not drinking, not cussing, not carousing, not partying, not going to all of these places. No, sir, he was just in a boat fishing. But he was in sin. Living in the shackles of shame, thinking God had given up on him because he had denied Christ. And there was Jesus on the shore. Children! Jesus, 33 years old. Referring to these men. Children! Caught anything? Jesus knew the answer to that question. Be careful when Jesus asks you a question that he already knows the answer to. He's very aware that you have been a colossal failure. He knows that your fishing abilities border on useless. But he's that one friend that doesn't ask you how the day is going. Or how's the car? Or ask you an easy question. He's that one friend that comes to you and asks you the one thing you don't want to answer. Working for you? I call it the honesty pop quiz of God. Some of you have lied in your social media so long that you're willing to come to church and lie to God. You will sit on a pew while I'm preaching and you will actually not even think about why the sermon might apply to you. You'll think, surely, I don't have to pay attention. Surely I can do whatever I want to do because after all, I've served God for this many years. I have found that there's an age where you become the smartest person that you know. 
There's an age where you just finally get to the place where you don't take much advice. For some people, that age is 22. Others, like Betty Kane, never seem to get there. She came to me and said, Pastor, since you've been here, I've been challenged more than I've ever been challenged, and I've done things I never thought I would do. God has taught me a new way, and I've made up my mind. I want my last years to be my best years. She decided that she's going to spend the rest of her life learning and seeking from people who have insight that she does not possess. She surrounded herself with people who would challenge her to be a better woman. And that's why she's an elder in our church. And I challenge you to become the kind of person that is not the smartest person that you know. You need some truth speakers in your life. When Mark Rutland comes here on Wednesday night, I'm in the presence of someone who is smarter than I am. I, I know his abilities. I know where he has been. He challenges me to be a better man. And I don't spend the entire time I'm with him trying to give him my resume so that he can be impressed with me. I watch his eyes to see who is unimpressive to him. I hear his words to see what frustrates him or excites him. And I take mental note so that I can rearrange my priority list based on this gift that God has given to me. I want to learn from someone who has been where I have not been and seen things that I have not seen. And I don't spend the whole time going, yeah, but God's also taught me some things where I can end. No, I don't, do, I don't play that game. Not with him. Not with Bishop Tom Madden. Not with the leaders that are in my life. I surround myself with people who stand on the shores of my life and go, what are you doing? I've been fishing all night, been doing this since I was a child. I know how to fish. Why don't you just shut up? Sorry to any children who believe that that's a bad word. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> Get into an argument with God because he's telling you something that you already know. If you would just cast the net on the other side, you'd catch fish. Talk to me, fisherman. Ever been in your backswing on the golf course? And some smart aleck go, you're doing it wrong. Right? It's not easy to deal with somebody smarter than you who comes to you and goes, don't do that. What? You're telling me? I'm Superman. I'm the princess of Buford. Okay, this isn't going over very well. <laughs> but you get this attitude that nobody can instruct you. Jesus said, you're on the wrong side. You know your problem? You're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. You're fishing on the stubborn side. This is how I was raised. We can't help but that you were raised wrong. You're on the selfish side of the boat. This works for me. It's not working. It only works because you're a liar on social media, taking pictures with your family, got your little children there, everybody all smiles, knowing you just had to cast the devil out of two of them. <laughs> Acting like everything's great. No, sir. 
Don't come to this house. That's what I love about Buford Church of God. We are, we're honest. This is an honest church. We, you come here, you know you go to some churches, everybody has the same hairstyle. I mean, nobody can keep up with this one around here. Everybody drives the same car. Here, you don't know what you're going to get. You've got a car that probably should be incarcerated. <laughs> beside a Mercedes, beside the biggest truck you've ever seen in your life. Why? In this church, we assemble because we know we need God. We know we need the manifestation of his presence. We're not here to argue with God. We're here to say, Heavenly Father, teach me, show me, guide me. I don't want to leave here like I came in Jesus' name. Please, Lord, help me be what you've called me to be. You're on that selfish side, or maybe even, forgive me, you're on that stupid side. Keep doing the same thing over and over and over again when you're like inches away from success. Inches away. I've met people who are so good at something, and they don't do it. Johnny Cash spent so much of his life singing, his early life. I heard this story. It's an urban legend. He's singing in the kitchen, and he decides to sing in baritone voice. His mother goes, oh, I like that. Well, I was just warming up. She said, sing that way always. Who knew he was inches away from that one sound that led to success? You ever go to a restaurant? It's got great food, but they forgot to mop. I mean, they're one mop away from a $50 dinner. It's like, take this out of the video, but it's like Ted's Montana. It's a clean place, wonderful place. Food is wonderful. They have the worst chairs in all of Gwinnett County. That's why the booths fill up immediately. The booths fill up and stay full all day. I will go in there and I'll say, I want a booth. They're, they're full. Would you like a table? No, ma'am. I want a booth. Sir, there's going to be about a 20-minute wait. Don't care. I'm waiting for the booth. Why would you do that? Because your chairs are awful. I told them. I said, ask anybody in this town. They will tell you, you have the worst chairs to sit in. Plus, you put me out in the middle of the floor and you walk around and elbow me in the head the whole time I'm trying to eat. There's no intimacy. There's no privacy. The boots over there with this little light right above my wife's angelic face shining right there. They bring it to you. You've got all this privacy, little coat rack right there. It's the difference in first class and riding with sheep in the luggage. I feel so much better. <laughs> I mean, you're so close to success. This one, I, people in ministry call me from time to time, give me some advice. This great singer, good singer, amazing. You, know, you hear them, beautiful, wonderful voice. And then they want to try and preach between every song. The problem is they can't preach. Pastor, what do you think I should do? Shut up and sing. That's what you should do. I'm sorry. I really am. I apologize. <laughs> you have to get to the place where you can take instruction. You just switch it up a little bit. Learn. Grow. Fish on the other side. What you've been doing, you're okay. You used to be really good. Now you're not even... Matter of fact, this borders on pathetic. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> Other side, 
Now, fishermen are quite conceited about which side of the boat to fish off of. If you've ever been on a boat, if you know anything about fishing, there's a great science as to which way you cast. Most fishermen will fish from a certain depth that they are marking for the fish they're targeting, and they will fish toward the bank. They'll cast the bait, and they'll pull the bait back toward the boat. So they fish from shallow back to the depth. And these tilapia that are in the Sea of Galilee are at a certain depth. And these disciples knew exactly what that depth would be. And they were fishing toward the bank, pulling that net back to them. But what God said is, no, you're not going to be successful that way anymore. You're not going to be able to fish in Israel. I'm sending you into all the world. I didn't tell you to fish in shallow water. I said launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. I taught you a long time ago that what worked for you when you were young is not going to work for you anymore. You've got to fish the other way. You're not going to be able to stand in Rome and proclaim my gospel if you're continually focused on what's going on in Jerusalem. Let go of what you used to be. And embrace where you're going to be. Stop casting the net that way and turn around and go that way. Diversify. Let me give you one spiritual application. I've given some practical. Let me give you some spiritual. This word repentance, repent. Some of you have a problem with anger or lust or greed or pride. And you have a vice that's in your life because of this weakness. Maybe you have a difficulty with road rage. Maybe you use words you shouldn't use. Maybe you have a problem with pornography. Maybe you have a difficulty with greed and gambling. You're constantly repenting. You're constantly saying, I'm sorry. You're only fishing on one side of the boat. That repentance doesn't work. You've got to fish on the other side of the boat. Repentance is good initiation but you can't just repent you've got to fish the other way you have to renounce it's not enough to say i'm sorry for what i did you have to declare war on what caused you to do it you have to say heavenly father this lust is crucifying christ again these curse words that are in my mouth i'm not cursing that woman in a volvo that cut me off in traffic with her seatbelt hanging out the door, bouncing on the pavement, causing sparks. No, I haven't seen anybody like that since Tuesday. <laughs> no, I'm not dealing with that. No, no, sir, I'm dealing with the fact that I don't love Jesus enough to keep the nails out of his hands. I don't love Jesus enough to not put the thorns on his head. I, 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 I renounce what I'm doing as a work of the devil. I don't just question what I did. I question who I am. I ask you, God, search me and see if there be any way that's not right. I ask you, God, to cleanse me from the uttermost parts of my soul and allow me to be what you've called me to be. Not only do I repent, I renounce, and then like Peter, you have to turn and replace your behavior. It's not enough to stop cussing. You have to start praising. It's not enough to say I have an anger issue. You have to renounce and then you have to fill your mouth with something else besides the cursing. He gives you beauty for ashes. He gives you the oil of joy for mourning. He gives you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And for those of you who are here that say, well, I, I can't really praise God out loud, then you could cuss out loud. 
You used to have curse words in your mouth when you served the devil. When you served the devil, you used to party like it was 1999. You'd get there and get drunk, and you'd have this rock and roll going on, and you'd lift up your hands and dance with whoever showed up. I bind that spirit of, of apathy in the name of Jesus, and I say if you ever danced for the devil, you ought to be able to dance for God. If you ever cussed for the devil, you ought to be able to shout for God. If you used words for the kingdom of hell, replace them and say this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to live like I used to be. I'm going to cast a net on the other side and be what God called me to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cast my net on the other side. I wish I could have heard those grouchy up all night fishermen. You ever been around a man that's been up all night unsuccessful in his fishing expedition, hunting expedition, come back in, he's grouchy. Right? It's all right, men. You can amen me. We know how you are. We can tell by looking at you you have this issue. <laughs> fishing all night. There's Jesus. Looked a lot like Pastor Bob. Sitting on the shore. Catch anything? No. Cast your net the other way. Tell me to cast nets on the other side. I've been casting nets on the other side for six months, feel like I'm trying to tell me what to do. Sitting over, he's already got fish on the fire. Jerk. <laughs> Jesus cooking fish. Children, hey, you caught anything? Seriously, he was making them breakfast. <laughs> Jesus already caught what you're looking for. Matter of fact, he's already cooked what you're looking for. You've been looking for something. Jesus already has it marinated and teed up for you. If you would cast on the other side, you'd catch some fish. I'll cast them. Okay, that's fine. Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll try it, Pastor. Thank you. <sighs> Sinks to the bottom. Deeper on this side. Letting the rope out. All right. Hold on a minute here. Uh, John, get over here and help me. I got, I got a, I got a, you ever had a hold of something you knew was God? I mean, you, you're pulling on the same rope, but all of a sudden you, you, you lift up on it. You're doing the same thing, but, but God gets involved. Everything gets interrupted. Your difficulty is you can't tell when it's the Lord. I remember going up to see Derek Tabor in the hospital. If I remember correctly, he actually called for me that day. There was a request that I come and see him. Very unusual. He and I were pretty good friends. We had met at the hospital and we had talked about Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and places of travel and hit it off. Very interesting guy. And we talked about those things and he had lived for the devil for years. He'd committed his life to the enemy, engaged his life to what hell wanted him to be. 
I had the phone call and I was walking up with Pastor Scott Crow and we got onto that floor and we were right there. There's a little break area and we were getting ready to walk into the break area. And I looked at Pastor Scott and I said, did you feel that? That's the Holy Spirit falling on me. I feel God in this. He said, Pastor, I feel it. He said, I feel the Lord speaking to me. I said, we need to pray. Something is about to happen. I feel heaven moving. He and I got into that hospital alcove, and we just asked God, please let your favor, let your anointing rest on us, Lord. Whatever you're about to do, we sense your glory. We sense your anointing. God, I I feel a fish. I I feel something on the other end of the line. I feel like I've cast my net in the water and you provided a harvest for me. We walked into the hospital room and Derek boldly announced, I'm ready. I'm ready to trust God and I'm ready for my miracle. I cast it on the other side. When I was in college, we had a big festival and we had a lot of pizza left over our fraternity had provided pizza for this event and and so we had all of this pizza left over and 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 I said why don't we take these pizzas and go to the other side of Cleveland there's a part of Cleveland Tennessee that's very impoverished and and we we decided to take all of the pizza to that side of the tracks and pass them out door to door and tell everybody that God loved them And so we were going through the neighborhood, and I had quite a little crowd from Lee, and we were handing out the pizzas. God loves you. Here's a free pizza. And I got to one house, and I knocked on the door, and I opened the door, and there was an emaciated man there. To call him skin and bones would be a a terrible understatement. He did not look healthy to me. I was too young to, to know enough about life to know what was going on with him, but I sensed danger. I sensed death. And I went in there, and I said, Sir, are you okay? I, I want to... Let me call somebody. No, you're not going to call anybody. Let, let, me, let me work with you. No. Are you hungry? He said, well, I'm, I said, here's a pizza. We, we love you. God loves you. And I left. And I, and I was got, going down the road. And I, I said, hold up. Drive back. And I said, drive me back. They said, why? I said, I can't leave. The Lord said, go back. I, I, I've got to go in there. I've got to talk to this man. Something's wrong with him. And I went in there again. I said, sir, you're not all right. Something's wrong. I can sense it. You're going to meet God. You're going to die. Let me get you to a hospital. Let me call somebody. He was very stubborn. No, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to deal with me. I'm, I'm staying right here. Don't call anybody. You don't have my permission. I'm, you can't do it. I said, sir, you're going to hell. You're going you're gonna to mess around with God. I can see by the, the room you're not right with God. You need to give your heart to God. And He said, I can do that. And I knelt down in that dirty living room and I grabbed his hand and, and I led him to the Lord. And two days later, I got a phone call from the funeral home. The family had requested that the young man from Lee College had passed out the pizzas would he show up and preach his funeral one of these days I'm going to be on the other side I'm going to meet that man again washed in the blood and purified by the power of God all because I had the courage to stop fishing on one side and put the net on the other side 
You're this close to what God called you to be. You could be somebody. You could do what God's called you to do, but you're so stubborn. You're so resistant. You're so selfish that you won't cast the net on the other side. I invite you, leave that life behind because your success is inches away from your obedience. And I want to say this to you if I can finish this sermon. I didn't do very well either service so far with this one point, but God woke me up today. I was trying to get this sermon together and, and preach it before I arrived here. And I kept asking God, why on the other side? Is that the Great Commission? Why on the other side? Was it a release of tradition? Why on the other side? Is it, is it you trying to prove the depths of spiritual walk? Why on the other side? Why did you make them cast the nets on the other side? Was it because of all of these implications? Why 153 fish? Why the direct number? What's, what's all of this got to do? What kind of symbolism were you trying to point out? Why on the other side? And I had all of these things, and God said to me in the quietness of my own heart, he says, no. I was just moving the nets for Peter. So that when he jumped out of the boat, he wouldn't get tangled. The Bible says that Peter dove into the water. And had they still had the nets on that side, Peter would have landed where they were fishing. So Jesus on the shore told him to put the nets on the other side. Because while they were fishing for tilapia, Jesus was fishing for Peter. Isn't it good to know that when you give up on yourself, he's still moving heaven and earth for you? Made sure the sun came up just right. Made sure the fish stayed away all night. Made sure the fire was prepared so that he would remember his restoration moment. And just at the last moment, God said, now move them nets. I don't want my, I don't want my baby getting hung up in them nets. Put it on the other side. How do we know that this is important? Because when Peter caught those fish, he no longer cared. He'd been fishing all night looking for that, but when he received it, he wasn't worried about it because at that moment, he'd rather have Jesus. Is there anybody glad here today that even on your darkest days of disobedience in the moments of your rebellion, Jesus was walking on the shores of your life and he was willing to move heaven and earth and get nets out of your way, make sure everything was just right, the coal fire was there, the fish were there, the pride was gone, the, the Spirit of God was on you. Thanks be unto God. He loved me enough to keep on reaching out to me even when I was trying to reject him and walk away. Hallelujah. I remember when my brother Scott came home from the Navy. Satan had wreaked havoc in his life. He was trying to put it back together. He was trying to get his relationships with his family and all of those things put in the right place. And the devil was warring against him and fighting against him. And he came back to my dad's church, Oakwood Church of God, which is filled up today. Souls are being saved right now. As we speak, they run a bigger online audience sometimes than we do. People reaching out to that great church. Scott comes to that church and the songs were just right. 
the sermon just right. Everything in place. Scott comes down to that altar. I still remember it like it was yesterday. He stands in that altar. He begins to repent, cry, ask God to heal him, ask God to bring him home. And then all of a sudden, I remember looking at him and he started to dance. Started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. And I watched chains fall off my brother as the glory of God restored him and healed him. And today we celebrate because he's now an ordained minister in the church of God. God brought his calling back to him, put him back in the pulpit, gave him a ministry, brought him out of darkness. Is anybody glad that Jesus is walking on the shores of your life? He's moving the nets for you right now. He's sliding the boat to the right place right now just so that you can have that moment in his kingdom and in his destiny. I want you to stand with me all over the house. For those of you who've committed your life to Christ, would you take just a few moments right now and help me magnify and glorify God? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We magnify you. We exalt you in this house. For you are great, O oh God, and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name. I'm on the shores waiting for you. You've been fishing for the devil. I'm fishing for you. Why don't you come on home? And be who I've called you to be. Down here in this altar, I want you to say this with me. Say it with me. Jesus, forgive me. I'm going to do it your way. I renounce what I've been doing. I throw it down. I hate it. It's an enemy of my soul. And there's no excuse. And I ask you to help me replace it. With the life of a Christian. A life that loves you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Coming home. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. I may not be some open sinner. Doesn't have to be. But I'm not what God called me to be. I'm supposed to be on the shore with Jesus. I should have been on the cross with him. Can't stand on the cross with him, but maybe I can stand on the shore with him. He with me in my life. Would you stretch your hands toward this altar, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Pray God you'd overshadow him. Help them be better. Maybe they're surrendering call. Maybe they're rededicating. Maybe they're being saved. We don't know the stories, but we do know the Spirit. And we thank you for what you're going to do. I bless you with the love of God that stands on the shores of your own disobedience. And I'm not going to go past the do-over. I get another opportunity. I bless you with the courage to obey God when He gives you an instruction that seems unusual. 
I ask God to bless your body and heal you right now. I pray cancers be gone in the name of Jesus. I pray that back issues and knee issues and all of the pain that's in your body or in your life, I ask it to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to the heart conditions, the, the kidneys. I ask you, God, for vital organs to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. I ask you for headaches to be gone. I ask you to bless them financially. I, I, I ask you, God, to bless them in the city and bless them in the field. I pray they would rise up and be what you called them to be. Bless them with your anointing and favor. Let them preach and teach and witness according to the authority of your word. Bless them. Just take a minute, church. The Holy Ghost is falling on this house. This is a strong move of the Holy Ghost. We have pulled some souls out of hell today. God has decided he's going to forgive. He's not going to send you down to the dark roads of your own choices. He's giving you another chance. We just praise you today. We magnify you. We exalt you in this house. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I bless you. I bless you. And I say to you today, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.